You want to see some heavy stuff? We're going to be here. everyone, welcome to that BritRest TV show for the first time. I'm using StreamYard, so if we have any technical difficulties, it's all my fault. But it's actually got a record button on my end this time. And uh, my guest will not be pressing the record button, thankfully. It's Kieran. Hello, Kieran. Hello. I don't know what to do myself. I don't have to press the record button at the beginning of the show. <laughs> How are you doing, mate? I'm all right. Can't really complain. Well, we haven't started talking about Rampage yet, so <laughs> maybe I'll complain then. Have you not got a line from uh, the song? Ah, shit, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we get to? Uh, hmm, I think we're up to this end- Rampage, Scream and Cause Damage. Scream and Cause get damaged. Well, some of, the, some of this uh, Motley yeah. crew did damage to the eyes. <laughs> it does like the, the tagline of the death squad doesn't it it does do um so if you remember the last two episodes uh me and kieran reviewed they they, were, they probably sent us under a bit i, I don't think uh, kieran's recovered have you i mean some of the stuff we've watched over the last three weeks of this tv program have made me not want to watch wrestling ever again <laughs> Like legitimately some of the worst wrestlers and worst matches I think I've ever seen on television. So let's just say going into episode 10, things aren't looking hopeful. But we shall see where we end up. Hmm. Anywho, UWA Wrestling Rampage, episode number 10. You want some of the heavy stuff? We're going to beat you. (laughs) The the great line from uh, probably from, uh, what's he called? Iron Duke Lynch. Yeah. I hope he got royalties for that. <laughs> it's wrestling. Nobody gets royalties for anything. He, he, pro- he probably, with his royalties, paid for them tin belts. <laughs> so uh, we're actually back in the studio with uh, Dan Belinka. As he says, two new secrets will be revealed on this episode, which is uh, Linsky's monster, which is actually a person, uh, and uh, Jordy <laughs> <And Geordie Yeah>. Flash's <laughs> um, tank <laughs> Yeah, uh, he also unfortunately promises a Mad Dog McPhee match. Um, but first, importantly, Stevie Knight has been named number one contender for the TV title. And I was like, hang on. I'm going to check his win-loss record. Episode two beats Jody Flash. Yeah. Episode six, he eliminates Doug Williams and himself in the TV title gauntlet. Episode eight, pinned by Doug Williams in the Triple Trouble match. So let's call that one one win, one loss, and one draw. So technically, he's on zero. (laughs) It's all of it, whatever, all his, like, victories and losses have cancelled each other out. Makes no sense. But, hey, he's he's probably one of the more competent wrestlers around, so he supposedly deserves a title shot. And he's on his way to the ring now. Well, he's actually um, gets announced as... um, what, what's it? Two hundred and thirteen pounds of sexually charged. Um, yes, yes. Weighing, a, weighing a sexually charged two hundred and fifteen pounds. 
He's got his uh, cheerleading squad with him as well. There's a bunch of women in the front row who I'm convinced must have been his mates from work or something. It's a bunch of it's it's some women who are clearly also from Yorkshire. Uh, yeah, Yorkshire at him. Um, he does a promo away from the hard cam about his upcoming title match. He says he's going to kick his opponent all over the ring and Phil Powers. Every move is for you, boy. Every move is for you. And he closes with, "At the end of the day, it's night, Steve Knight." He, <laughs> there was a lot of empty seats again. A lot of oh empty red seats. It, it doesn't look good. And uh, we've got to point out on commentary once again. It's Steve Morgan, who's fucking dreadful, and Simon from Bridlington, otherwise known as Steve from Linsky, <laughs> who's also dreadful. Uh, so match number one now as um, the sexually charged love pudding. <laughs> of TV night. <laughs> the ring announcer did call him the Yorkshire Gigolo, but I think the love pudding is better. <laughs> Versus the long-haired lad with a gold, gold Goldberg tattoo. Um, it, it was what's he called? Justin Star from Just in Time. Yes, Justin Star. Um, so uh, Knight sort of batters Star around with, like, I called it crisp, basic stuff. Hmm. Um, like, it's nothing to write home about, but it's well executed. Um, Star gets a little comeback with a nice flying roll-up. He does a crossbody, a sunset flip, a drop kick. Uh, Knight foils a hip toss with a rocker dropper, hits a gut-wrench powerbomb, poke in the eye, a power slam. Uh, he misses a splash off the top, uh, but he punches Justin in the stars right in front of the referee as he's going for the corner 10 punch and hits the night driver, which star takes the best bump so far for because everybody else puts, puts their hands down for it. And he's not afraid to like take it properly. Uh, it looked really good. I like this a lot. Like it's, I thought it was a well-executed squash four minutes, maybe um, night looked good as he should do as number one contender for a title star. I think is the best jobber in the company. Mm. Um, he's the kind of guy like in six months if they wanted to shake things up further up the card like you could he'd be easy enough to to heat up and push as a baby face um yeah i uh my one complaint is would it have been that hard to do the match then announce that due to this win that knight has earned a tv title match they kind it of did it last back. yeah but apart from that this was a shockingly competent opening segment to UWA Wrestling Rampage. We're, we're back, we're back, baby. But one thing I did notice, they didn't, like up until two minutes into the match, they didn't announce who the other wrestler was. So I just I just put long-haired lad and greasy-haired scruff. <laughs> uh, and then they, and then they eventually, eventually called him Justin Starr in the end. Oh, yeah, it happens God. a lot of the jobbers on this show, particularly George, poor George Castano, who's just, who is repeatedly referred to as Jody Flash's partner when, when they do all the recaps of the tag stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Stevie Knight is the new number one contender uh, for Phil Powers' title. I did put as well decent squash match. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mind this one. I try and rewind my mind when I'm watching this and remember what television wrestling was like in 1999. And this was like above average for TV wrestling of 1999. Like not in yeah. terms of star power in any sense of the word, because, you know, who had heard of these people apart from their own families, you know, pretty much at this point, but 
no, in terms of like actual wrestling and and a like a little five minute squash, it was great. Mm. Well, talking is going from the good to the bad as oh, Mad Dog McPhee is seen chatting with the tiny girls. What was he actually saying <laughs> here, Kieran? Have you ever seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Uh, bits. Okay, so do you, are you aware of Richard Iowardi's character on that? He plays a guy called Dean Lerner, who is right. Garth's agent, but he also was given a role within the show within a show. Mad Dog McPhee's delivery is just like Dean Lerner. Like, all of his sentences run together. He was whiffling on about action figures and stuff, and it was like, if this guy wants to see what I do with action figures, I'll tell him what I do with action figures. The same thing I'll do in the ring. I'll rip their arms and legs off. And you can take that to the bank because I'm mad dog with me. It, like he, it was like somebody had handed him a script and taken out all the punctuation. I don't know why the tiny girls were interviewing him. They, they have a they have a type in men, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking death squad and mad dog McPhee. <laughs> yeah. Hey, gives 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 ugly fellas of the world hope, I guess. They do, they do. Yeah. Uh, but talking about Mad Dog McPhee, he's got he's, he's in wrestling action next as yes. he faces the racist skinhead, the Stomper. <laughs> yeah. He's in his budget test gear again. I called him urine test. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this match, fucking hell. So Stomper starts with a headlock and there's a quick cut to the crowd and then uh, Mad Dog is on top with a clothesline very quickly. He does a leg drop, a suplex, uh, and a rubbish wrist lock that Stomper reverses and takes him down. For the second match in a row, the star hits a punch to the knackers in front of the referee who couldn't care less. Tiger McGuigan Senior again. Yeah, but I think the first match was the other ref. They've got two... Yeah different refs with crap moustaches uh and i think the first one was the other was the other ref um dog shoves stomper into a corner hits him with a few very hard looking forearms and knees like he's he'd had enough of this shit already struggles to turn him around hits his reverse ddt the canine crusher or canine drop as idiot commentator calls it here which the referee fails to count for so dog has to herk the stomper back up and hits a suplex for the win you could have fixed this in the end, unless it's going to be a story point that the referee was busy talking to Linsky. They could and should have fixed this in the edit. You could easily show the DDT and then cut to the three count or like bridge it with a crowd shot if necessary. However, despite struggling a couple of times with an uncooperative racist uh, and a messy finish, this might be the best that Mad Dog McPhee has looked on this show so far. He's improving. I thought he were all right in his last match. The botches were all down to his opponent, not him for a change. Yeah. Who was the, who was the stomper against last time? I'm sure it was Papa T, weren't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. We had to put our... <laughs> yeah. So I think Mad, Mad, Mad Dog's probably above Papa T in wrestling ability. And that's... Fuck, you know, what a curve to grade on. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you said when you said he looked like Tess, I'm thinking less Tess, more pest. Yeah, yeah. He's uh I think he's more experienced than T, maybe, but well, no, that's not what maybe he's not. I don't know. He's green oh. and learning, whereas like perhaps T has a lot of 
self-taught bad habits that are like you know ingrained mm. he's uh, as well with mad dog mcfee he's even got his own branded t-shirt mm. which has mad dog mcfee on the front oh i didn't i didn't read it coming to uwashop.com <laughs> 20% off at pro wrestling tees <laughs> um up next Phil Powers interview, but, yeah. we, but we but we do have Blackpool Ice Arena plugs once again with our is he what's he called Paul Martin in it Paul, Paul Martin and the Wrestling Rampage update. Um, he plugs the next four Blackpool tapings as he has every match, every every show so far. The first of which is only a week away now, which means this must have aired around July the eleventh, as far as mm. I can figure out. Uh, it's the same shit as usual. We know all of the titles we'd be defended, but they're a bit cagey about who will be the champions and who will be the challengers. Uh, something that will please you, the shot of Kerry Cabrero's chair-assisted tope onto Grand Naniwa is used twice in the highlights video that runs under his spiel. Milt it, milt it, did uh, old Kerry. So, you remember last time we joked about how we would call the uh, UWA hotline? Yes. Do you want because I've got the number here. <laughs> Go on. All right, I'm gonna hold. I'll hold my phone up and see if uh, see if this connects, and see if anything happens. Oh no! I think it's been disconnected. I don't know if you heard the beeps. Yeah. No. Ah, oh, that's such a shame. I was hoping we'd get to talk to somebody and I was going to ask them all about the, the latest UWA news. Hello, it's Paul Martin here. Who may ask who's calling? Yeah. Better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make it quick. I'm in the middle of cooking dinner. <laughs> um, One thing that's good about um, these two episodes is the return of the ads. Yes. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah. So we, so we have um, adverts for bangers and smash at 3.30pm. A coked up ad for loot where the lass has um, eyeballs like uh, like they're on stalks. <laughs> she... <laughs> I thought she looked quite a lot like Tandy Newton, but she's already doing movies at this point. Like there's no way she would have been in a shit ad for loot in 1999. It, she's it not a star yet, but she's still doing movie roles. I was thinking it could have been someone like Jenny Powell. She were on the way down after oh, Wheel of Fortune. It's not Jenny Powell, no. Um, yeah, the, the, yeah. We also get uh, the one I cannot help but call Mystico Tarot. I love the idea of like calling up a, a tarot reader and its and its original Sinkara. <laughs> he didn't read all them botches to come, did he? Uh, <laughs> it's the Three of Swords, the One of Broken Fingers, and the Four of Botches. Yeah. Um, bendy beds, motor finance direct with a free Nokia 5110, which was oh, only, slightly small, only slightly smaller than the thing that Paulie dangerously used to smack people over the head with in WCW. <laughs> and a show called Boys Toys, which appears to be their answer to the gadget show. Boys Toys, I was thinking, oh, a career retrospective of uh, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Anywho, back to the action as we have flying Phil Powers interview time. 
Mm. What do you what do you think of flying Phil Flowers as uh, Paul Martin says? Oh yeah, that was, that, was, that was a line that Stevie Knight had used, wasn't it? Um, Linsky on commentary calls him the flyer Phil Powers again, and I'm like, maybe he falls out of the local paper with details of upcoming dates and a coupon for ten percent pizza, like ten percent of pizza printed on him. <laughs> you imagine his face like selling farm foods. <laughs> I tell you what, they're a big fucking, uh, big fucking read. Them fans, yeah, we, we we get them through the door. They're uh, they're very handy for like you know putting down if you need to paint the skirting board or something like that. <laughs> Line the bottom of the cat tray. Um, we can actually hear the mic this week. They've plugged the cable in yeah. for the first time on these tapings. Uh, Paul Martin says that later on, uh, Phil Powers will be defending his title against someone you've just seen in the ring, Stevie Knight. I have some information about these tapings. I got in contact with Phil Jones, who we've seen around yes. ringside. He was a photographer, and he got in contact with somebody uh, who works production on the show. So he's still in contact with someone. Yeah. Everything we have seen from Blackpool so far was taped on the same day. His Andy's eyes have gone like that woman in the loot ad. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, they did two two shows in a day. I think I've got them the right way around here. The afternoon show had 14 matches on it, and the evening show had 10. I was going to say then, Kieran, was Shotty Ora's dad running it? (laughs) 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 Bloody hell, it's like Sovereign Pro before uh, Sovereign Pro started. Britress has a a long, rich history of uh, shows like an overrun. the FWA clock with like with uh, four seven o'clocks on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I I kind of worked out what came from what show, judging by the fans in the front row opposite the hard cam, because you can see yeah. they change. Uh, and this uh, the night star match that we just saw was on the other taping than this promo was recorded on. Right. So Night versus Star was on the afternoon show with Stevie's promo, and then this would have been recorded on the evening show um, and must have been shot after the Triple Trouble match but before the TV title match. Yeah. Yeah. Stevie Knight did that Triple Trouble match and the TV title match that we're going to see next week in inverted commas on the same show. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you would, you couldn't survive this double taping, could I, you? Can you imagine going to both? Do you know what the main <laughs> event of the afternoon was? Papa T. Kenny <laughs> Royal versus Blondie Barrett, your minus five star match. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> you know what? If that were the, obviously being the last match, Kieran, you'd think. Fuck, fuck, this, fuck this, we're going to Mark Mar Kelly's down the road. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, uh, Powers calls himself The Fly again while doing his usual no-pause-for-breath babyface promo. promo. He says, Stevie Knight has, one thing and one, uh, has to remember one thing and one thing only. I feel Powers and you ain't, and he don't care what the smart fans think. He cares what the people at ringside think, the proper fans, the real men. I love you all. And then he does a backflip and the children go crazy. <laughs> Rod Stewart at ringside as well. Yes. Yeah, he's brought up on commentary. There's a, there's a guy who looks very much like Rod Stewart who runs up and hugs Phil Powers at the end of this. I don't know what it is about Phil Powers. Like, he is 
I'm very sorry, Phil, rubbish. But he's got something that people like, and I don't know, I don't get it. He's got he's got energy for sure. Like yeah. he's nothing but energy. That's it. Um, yeah, and I think over the years he got better as a wrestler. But I like he's still not pulling up trees unless that's his day job. Um, but uh, yeah, the, like people seem to really like him on these shows. Well, my last line here, I put Phil Powers is terrible on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Every interview segment he's had, Kieran, it's over in a minute. He's just like, what's the point? Yeah. Unless it's been cut like that, who knows? I think he just go gets through all his material so quickly because he talks so fast. He's got to been to the Mad Dog McPhee School of Punctuation then. <laughs> Match number three now. It's Steve Linsky's Monster. Mm-hmm. Um, which, um, well, we'll be facing British Beef, Danny Royale. Um, so Danny's opponent is the one and only, the Highlander, Drew McDonald. What's that coming over the hill? It's a Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> it actually comes out to Thunder by ACDC, which is Johnny Storm's um, old music in this as well. Which is what they uh, what the commentary points out. Um, before we get into the match, there was something I meant to talk about at the beginning of this uh, show, but might as well do it now. We Last time, we wondered how many individual wrestlers we have seen on UWA so far. Yeah. I counted. Drew McDonald is the 36th unique wrestler we have seen in 10 episodes. Phil Powers, Mad Dog McPhee, Mark Myers, Iron Duke Lynch, Steve Morocco, Paul Terrell, Jason Cross, Tiger Mask 4, Big Papa T, Mark Sloan, Paul Sloan, no relation, Johnny Storm, Stevie Knight, Doug Williams, Jody Flash, Kerry Cabrero, Grand Nanua, Christopher Daniels, Danny Royal, Alex Shane, Leon Murphy, Tom Monroe, Joey Knight, Robin Nightwing, Wera Lestat, Scrapyard Frank, Technically, Dino Scarlo because he had the scrapyard. Scrapyard Frank, yeah, remember him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin Starr, Phil Blend, Blondie Barrett, uh, Road Warrior Pork, the Whip, uh, Mike Roberts, George Costano, Bully Boy Briggs, the Stomper, and now Drew McDonald. Several hell. of those and some other additional characters have vanished without a trace. Tiger yeah. Mask, Nanua, Daniels, the All Nighters. Mark Sloan, Phil Brand, Dino Scarlo, Mark McManus, Mick McManus even, not Mark McManus. Mick McManus, he was the commissioner. He was, yeah, right. Uh, Saoirse, remember her? M- Mick McManus's helpful mouthpiece. Um, yeah. Jamila, the interview girl, is gone. Sarah, do you remember Sarah? The woman who came out with Stevie Knight for his first match? Mm, yeah. She's gone. The reanimated corpse of Mal Mason has been reburied. Um, uh, uh, Wera and Fra- Frank haven't returned and the only mention of johnny storm is this mention of him on commentary here he's gone as well well the rule warrior park's gone hasn't he well <laughs> I, I mean like he was on the blackpool tapings ah, but, like, yeah. none of these people have shown up uh in blackpool so anywhere between like four and eight weeks of tv time have passed since we've seen some of these people anyway Drew McDonald. I always found him a scary person when he was talking on the radio on Talk Sport with Alex Shane. I've shot promos with him. He's a scary bloke to stand next to. He's just that deep, deep, deep Glaswegian drawl, isn't it? He's got got a good voice, actually. I like his voice. 
Um, and I'm kind of uh, um, jumping the gun here. I liked him showing up here. I thought he be gave a breath of fresh air to this show, which seems mm. really weird to say about Drew McDonald. Um, he weighs a volcanic 300 pounds, apparently. <laughs> it's a volcano. <laughs> he's suddenly shooting out the top of his head as he walks down the aisle. I don't know. Um, as long as he's out the top of his head and he's not his <laughs> Uh, he gives Danny Royal a lot in this match he's bumping all over the place for his shine he takes a back suplex he takes a slam off the apron onto the unpadded floor he takes a nice superplex Um, he comes back with a clothesline and a Samoan drop before we go to the break Um, they, they plug a Glasgow versus Sunderland football match this week and next week so God knows when that happens you know what? I was trying to work out this because I don't think live TV showed actual, you know, football. It must be just like pre, you know, like preseason it. friendlies. It was uh, uh, so they have a longer ad for it on next week's show, and I think it's a testimonial for one of the players. Yeah, I think there's like a Man City Everton game as well. What they're going to be showing? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else do we get in in this ad break? Kitchens Direct, uh, Tessa Sanderson's rather eighties hair advertising private medical insurance with some very specific cash benefits. Sporting Life, Bendy Beds, Kitchens Direct for the second time in the same ad break. And mismatch, called, mismatch of the day. Something called mismatch of the day. Yeah, which appears to be fantasy football of some kind. Yeah. I just, I, it's, it's all lost on me, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, so so uh, when we get back to the ring, uh, Drew is actually on top here, but he did he does use the old um, your your Kazuna wearing down Lex Luger manoeuvre. Yes, to, he does. Oh, <laughs> it down. <laughs> I took note of all the nerve holds because I know you love them so much. Oh, I love um, them. The uh, the commentary does a good job of. Uh, so Morgan questions the logic of Royal accepting the challenge, but Bridlington puts him over as this fighting baby face who doesn't back down from, from challenges, which I think is good. Um, Royal avoids an elbow drop and hits a clothesline for a two count before missing his own elbow off the middle rope. Uh, he avoids a Drew corner charge though and hits a power slam, but Linsky pulls him off the cover and we see he's taken the pad off the corner. Royal then goes and stands in the unpadded corner, arguing with Linsky over the ropes, allowing Drew to avalanche him from behind and powerbomb him for the pin. It's not, I don't, it wasn't high energy at all, but it was perfectly competent. Simple. Yeah. Um, and yes, he's a big monster and they could have had him, have him bulldoze this, but I like that McDonald used his manager and the exposed steel to win because that makes him more of a heel and it doesn't shit on Danny Royal. Like Danny Royal came out of this looking very strong in defeat, I think. And yeah. this was, I think, this was the best match we've seen of him of this run. I, I, like you said earlier, I enjoyed like Drew Drew McDonald just taking bumps, just trying yeah, to get Danny well, Royal over. I mean, I, <laughs> I I mostly saw Drew McDonald in the era where he couldn't take any bumps. Have I ever told you the story of the weird place I saw Drew McDonald? Go on, go on. Go it was, you. I can't remember what year it was. It might have been twenty. Yeah, I did three trips there. It was okay. I've been to Sydney three times and uh 2005, 2009, and 2010. And one of those trips, I stepped out of the airport, pulling my suitcase behind me, and I looked up and saw a billboard for Lavazza um uh coffee machines. And yeah. on that billboard was Drew McDonald. 
They used to have them in London as well, but I, I managed to get the other side of the planet and see Drew McDonald. There's got to be an image on Google for this. I have looked for it, but like it, it, I can't find it. The other weird place he showed up was in um, uh, WWE 2K20, I think, in the universe mode. They right. you have um, you you can pad out your show with jobbers, and uh, most of them are uh, stock images, but one of them is Drew McDonald. Right. Mm. Probably uh, Robbie Brookside or Eagle said, "Oh, stick my mate in from Scotland." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Paul Martin rushes up for an interview. Uh, McDonald says Williams needs to keep his eyes open because he'll get him even in his dreams. Uh, Drew... I'll tell you what, that's a worse vision than the the criminals of Crime Watch. Oh, it? yeah. I, they, if he said that to me, I wouldn't sleep for a week. Um, <laughs> Drew is the most charismatic character to hit this show since Christopher Daniels. After, yeah. like, like I said, after the turgid last three weeks, a complete breath of fresh air, and I never thought I'd say that about Drew McDonald. What, one of my notes here, Kieran, was uh, you know about Drew McDonald's age, and you know how they play on grapple. Like, oh, he's probably he's probably younger than he looks, and I did, but he's probably twenty five at this stage. Mm. I did have a look; he's on he's forty four. He's only forty four in yeah. in nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen him with hair? I think I have. It He must have in World of Sport days. Yeah, when he was on World yeah. of Sport, he had long hair. That's a trip. <laughs> That's really weird. So, here we go. It's the UWA tag title match. <laughs> the one you've all been waiting for. Who uh-huh. is the mystery partner of the one and only Jodie Fly? She says, we have the Death Squad uh, with the Tiny Girls, uh, or as we called them, uh, called the desk on the pasty boys <laughs> i was i went with the numpty boys in my notes this time it what what they call brian knobhead and jerry fags <laughs> no. it was mike reasonable wasn't it mike reasonable. Mike reasonable yeah <laughs> so uh who is the mystery uh mystery partner here and here goes something like this. It does indeed. It's like that, and it's Big Papa T, which means you are two for two on guessing the mystery men because these were your guesses when we last did this. I was like, it's got to be T. It's got to be T. And I was like, it can't be because we said, you know, what was it the biggest golfing talent in, you know, it, it, I've not since, but like if Kenny Omega teamed up with Hacksaw Chip Duggan <laughs> and we've got Jody Fleisch and Big Papa T as a tag team. Big Papa T versus Iron Duke Lynch. Now that is a collision for the ages. Well, we will see. The tiny girls out in quite modest and classy outfits for a change. Um, as usual, hold open the ropes for the death squad. And as usual, Lynch steps through the wrong bit. The Tinies, who haven't been clued in as to how wrestling works, also no. then cluelessly dance to Jody's music. <laughs> you, you could have you could have expected them just having a dance with T as well. They just they just do what they want. All they know is they have to come out with the with the death squad, I think. And well, they, just, they, they, they actually they got into a bit of action here, Kieran, where they had a bit of a cat fight with Papa T's manager Rebecca, like well, the weakest cat fight you've ever seen. The so word yeah. action is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Uh, Duke does his usual rubbish promo. He apologizes for interrupting Jody's match before and tells him if he doesn't go home, he'll get hurt. Jody takes the mic and just tells the sound guy to hit the music, and here comes Papa T. Rebecca and Tiny Number One, because they don't have names, uh, have a very lame physical altercation, and we go to the ads. Well, yeah, the there was a tiny bit of wrestling, and then we went to the ads, but we can cover yeah. all of the wrestling in the second half. I did see one of the adverts, that, um, uh, Linford Christie's version of Superstars, yeah. which was a Dream Team Challenge. Yes, and what did it use as its music? Um. Oh, God. Go on. It used It's Like That. It used Big Papa T's theme on that advert. Now, that, I'll tell you what, that'd be a match. Linford Christie, the lunchbox, versus uh, Big Papa T. If he's got any sense, Christie will just run away. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Linford Christie's running against the, the BPT walk, as um, Steve oh. Morgan's called it on uh, on commentary. So, Jody Fleisch gets destroyed by two dreadful wrestlers for ages. Yeah. He gets almost nothing. Um, they they fail to catch him on dives. They drop him on the guardrail. They throw him into the front row. And every time he gets knocked out of the ring, T picks him up and throws him back in. Eventually, the I nearly said the heels, but Christ knows what they are. The death squad go for the Sheffield Hammer, their finisher. Mm. Uh, but T comes in botches catching Myers but slams him anyway and then we get the TV debut of Jody Fleisch's Phoenix 720 DDT and they botch that too so we actually get a Phoenix 720 self rock bottom (laughs) and Flash gets the pin and we have new tag champions and then they replay it four times so you can see what a mess it was (laughs) fucking hell When Jody gets that DDT right, it's a finger beauty and it kills. It's incredible. The best I've ever seen him do it was against AJ Styles, where AJ was sat on the middle rope. Uh, right. Uh, so, so like uh, at a ninety degree angle across a corner. Yeah. And they did they did it there. Unbelievable. Um, it's an incredible move that I I've owned, I can't remember who it is. I've seen one other person do it. I think it's uh, it might be a small Japanese woman, but uh, I yeah. It's it's a Jody Fleisch original. Um, big big Papa T didn't do much here. He did fuck all. Fuck he, all. he did one slam. He was supposed to catch a man, which he failed to do, and then he did one slam. Uh, and I mean, Jody didn't do a lot either. He basically just got a kick in for five minutes. He did the bumping. Yeah. Um, so although their men have just lost the tag titles, the tiny girls smile and wave into the camera. <laughs> Just cut it out, editor. You don't need to use that shot. Get rid of it. Um, we also cut to black and white for one shot for some reason after the replays. I presume the editor put the wrong effect on and nobody caught it before it went to air. And that's it, really. Next week, Phil Powers defends the TV title against Stevie Knight. And that's the end of the show. And we will wiggle off with Big Papa T up the uh, rampway with his yeah, titles, with the tin belts, Big yeah. Papa T. Big Papa Tin. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly the current run of Dynamite, but this was a vast improvement over the last three weeks. This is the best episode of TV to come out of Blackpool so far. Well, will episode 11 even exceed <laughs> that, Kieran? Hmm. Maybe so. Maybe so. As you know what? 
the actual show doesn't open up with Dan Belinka in his no. studio. I thought he'd been kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, well, so we we don't know if this uh, had the uh, any Dan Belinka or the titles on the front of it. It just starts with Jason Cross's entrance. They start with a match. Um, a, not a bad match either. Yeah, J- Jason Cross and uh, Kerry Cabrero. Yeah. Um, fast paced from the get-go. Uh, Cross is he's the baby face. He takes early advantage with a big clothesline over the top. Have we, have we seen him before on this Jason show? Jason Cross. Um, not on the Blackpool tapings, but he was on... Um, he had a match with Tiger Mask on. Uh, yeah, yeah, one. he did. I thought and, it was all right in that match. Yeah, and he was. Uh, he then uh, wore a Naito T-shirt to be attacked by Big Papa T and looked very unhappy about a losing a match and being attacked by the worst wrestler in the company. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he does your favorite dive, the Liger flip off the apron. Uh, he does. Yep. Uh, and then when they get back in, uh, Cabrero targets one of his legs. He uses a dragon screw. Um, I would say for the heat, but the crowd aren't exactly screaming. I was going to say, the, Kerry Cabrero got booed in this match. Yeah, he's it? so he's sort of been like a heel with attitude. Uh, sorry, a baby face with attitude so far. Like, none of the heat... All the heels want to be cheered, and all of the baby faces want to have an edge. It's very 1999. Yeah, like very few people are clean cut, and it leads to a lot of confusing characters. So you know, like the Death Squad, nominally they're heels, right? But they get cheered and they play for applause. Mm. Um, uh, Kerry Cabrero again, like he slaps hands with people as he comes down to the ring, but he cheats. And he's it says like the, there was the um the the show that built up to the TV title Gauntlet where he was saying mean things about one of his best mates. I would tag with him if he stopped losing. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. so it's like uh yeah, it, it's a very it's very much of the time in wrestling. I think um the era of the cool heel and the edgy baby. You know, everybody either wanted to be the NWO or Steve Austin, didn't they? Right? Yeah, yeah. Why well, um, wouldn't it? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, Cross, like he's he hits a, a nice crossbody for a comeback. Cabrero uh, dumps him on the top rope, balls first, and knocks him to the floor with a springboard back elbow, uh, and does a, a dive off the top rope. Um, he does a lot of nice suplexes and knee drops and punishing the the leg some more. Uh, Cross hits a Northern Light suplex. For a two count, despite Kerry being at least 30% out of the ring. Um, Michinoku driver and what I called almost a moonsault. Oh, yeah, he was a bit, bit skewy, bit He's pissed. kind of... Jason Cross is so weird. Like, he does everything at the right time, but it's not particularly well executed in some cases. There was a bit where they were doing some stuff, like a whole bunch of spots in the ring, maybe some rope running spots, and his arms were just down by his sides the whole time. It's like sort of like, penguin. yeah, he's sort of, <laughs> he sort of doesn't quite know what to do with any parts of his body that aren't actively wrestling at that moment. Um, there's a weird botchy moment where he lightly clotheslines Cabrero in the forehead before just about getting caught with the fake flatliner for the pin. Wonky finish aside, much like the opener last week, perfectly decent for the standards of 1999 TV wrestling. One of the 
easily the best match that has come out of the Blackpool taping so far. Bloody hell, a double. Best match. Best match in Blackpool. Who yeah. could have thought this turnaround? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I also liked that they started straight in with a match for a change, completely yeah. mixing up the format. That was one of the things that I like doing, and I liked doing when I was making wrestling TV. You have a format, and you stick to it, stick to it, stick to it, stick to it, and then you break it, and that makes that show interesting and special and different. Um, so I really like that they did that here. Honestly, I think Jason Cross probably, as we said with the other one earlier, one of the best jobbers out of this lot. And Kerry Cabrera, I think, you know, is probably in the top three or four competent wrestlers on this show. Yeah. Definitely like Stevie Knight, Doug Williams level. Yeah, they're they're perfectly decent. Yeah, they're absolutely fine. And like I think I said when when we started it, like these are two of the guys who at this time like were holding up the work rate end of British wrestling because like although wrestling was massive in in the in the 90s in the US and US wrestling was massive in the 90s here British was wrestling was in a hole yeah yeah um so we actually go to the adverts now um as we were a to z of shopping presented by bootleg prince charles uh, <laughs> I must have missed that. I saw Agony with a crotch-thrusting Tim Vine lookalike. <laughs> there was the Lombard Direct talking cartoon phone, a Norwich Union Direct ad voiced by Stephen Fry, making him the classiest person to ever appear on live TV. Um, and there, uh, there was a lie detector. Is Joanna a thief? Yes. <laughs> and they have a quote from Joanna, which is, it's absolutely silly rubbish, really, who clearly wanted to say bullshit and then remembered her show goes out at three in the afternoon. <laughs> well, actually, this episode's on at 8 p.m., so it's lie detector after dark. Oh, I see. Like, like Hollyoaks. There's going to be a murder. Joanna's fucked. <laughs> we it's return. Is Steve a murderer? We return now with a recap of the tag team turmoil um, over the last few weeks. So mm. um, everything with the death squad and Papa T and Jody winning the belts. And yeah. um, there's a very long uh, a video package voiced over by Dan Belinka. Um, and then he's we very hyper in this, isn't he, Kieran? I would say he was talking a bit faster than usual. I think. Yeah, uh, the, the voiceover was very obviously recorded on two different occasions and then edited together uh, over the top afterwards. Uh, we then throw to a Death Squad promo where two generically angry Yorkshiremen talk over each other while trying to complain about losing. It, it, it sounded no like, no it sounded like the, um, Zach Dingle and Butch kind of had the argument. Oh, they were just sort of angry about they were angry about losing, but they were also angry about nothing. Their big complaint was how big Papa T came to the ring. Uh, but they couldn't they they struggled to get this out as one of them wouldn't have finished his line before the other one started yelling over him. It it was messy. But we we do have a what looks to be a number one contenders match for the yes. uh Tag team titles with a uh, too far gone, which is Mark Far and Gary gone. <laughs> um, taking on the team of uh, Leon Murphy and 
Not the show stealer yet. It's Alex no. Shane in his uh, red pleather pants. Yeah, yeah. So Alex Shane is within 50 feet of a microphone, so of course he has to cut a promo. <laughs> Uh, Shane and Terrell do some wrestling school rope running spots and with Terrell slapping Shane out of the ring he also sends Murphy packing with a hip toss and the Goners hit a double baseball slide and Terrell hits a plancher uh, Murphy flattens both baby faces with a double clothesline and in a spot I liked he press slammed Alex onto both of them and the reason I liked it was he was they were laying on, on the ground and he was standing in between them and he, he presses Shane and drops him on them and it makes use of how long Alex Shane is. So he hits one of them with his legs and the other with his chest and arms. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say in the earlier promo, Kieran, he, um, hmm. Alex actually says on the mic he loves pain and pleasure. He actually says, uh, uh, Leon Murphy and I have come to Blackpool for, for two different reasons. He's here for pain and I'm here for pleasure. Ah, Which I quite liked. I like. I said this before. I like the idea of the chalk and cheese tag team, like the ladies' man and like basically a bricky. And uh, I just don't think that these two are good at it. Mostly because Leon Murphy is completely all the charisma that Alex Shane has. He has no Leon Murphy with none. Yeah, like he's just he's a blank slate basically. Um, Alex hits his rubbish middle rope leg drop on Morocco, who I don't know if he's far or gone. You can decide. Um, who is now mysteriously legal. He misses a corner charge though and hits his balls on the middle turnbuckle. <laughs> and then came the spot that had me howling with laughter. So Morocco picks Shane up for a side, side slam. Alex very clearly gives Murphy the nod that it's time for a spot. And Murphy casually strolls along the apron and barely touches Paul Terrell before he's even finished climbing to the top rope to crotch him on the top turnbuckle and then yeah. just as lethargically ambles back to his corner. <laughs> he put no energy into this whatsoever. <laughs> Some interesting moves as well. This elite frog leg drop. By Alex Shane, we, we, you know we've said about his like he loves his like flippy flippy leg yeah. drop. Yeah, like in case anybody doesn't know, like Shane was usually billed at six eight, but is a legit six five and is like a, a reasonable at six foot five. You've got to be a reasonably heavy bloke, otherwise you're just a broom. Um, but he loved to try and fly around. Like he 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 seemed to think he was five eight quite a lot of the time. They they did this whole like rope running double team sequence that made me think it might have just been the shiny pants made me think of Nova and Chris Chetty in ECW. Mm. It was the same kind of like long running series of moves that they would do as a double team. Um, so Alex doesn't make a cover after all this, and commentary says he's too busy looking at women. And as the moment they say that, they cut to Paul Terrell, <laughs> who is not a woman. No, no, no. Um, it looks like Shane is off to confront some 12-year-old in the front row, but in fact flexes his biceps in the face of a large man with spiky blonde hair. Well, I don't know I don't know if this fella might be that British Storm fella, Ian Harrison. He was on like fucking old Colgan's um fucking oh. SWF. It might be him. Oh really? Well, maybe we'll find out. So this man pulls his jumper off to the delighted squeals of uh, Stevie Knight's fan club from last week to reveal what I called an SKP from WCW power plant who has even bigger arms than Alex. 
and they shove each other back and forth before Royd Warrior uh, decks Shane and the ref counts Shane and Murphy out. <laughs> Royd Warrior. Well, it's either that or Skid Vicious. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'd tell you what, that's probably a tribute band, isn't it? Skid Vicious. <laughs> it probably is. Uh, um, so Morgan on commentary announces this is a win via countdown. So I guess Terrell must have got the numbers, the letters, and the conundrum. Yeah. Dan Blinker, though, once we go back to the studio, simply says Shane picked a fight with a wrong mem- with the wrong member of the audience and promotes Flashy Papa versus Lagonas for next week. Like, who is this man? Is he a wrestler? Will he be back? Is there going to be a payoff to this? Will we ever see him again? It doesn't look like... I'm just trying to look here if he'd actually been on there. And it's just... On his Wikipedia, it just says about, um, you know, the XWS stuff. I think that his Wikipedia is more likely going to list the stuff he did with Hulk Hogan than the stuff he did with Alex Shane. (laughs) (laughs) When you were saying about Alex Shane, though... um, you know, six foot five. I've, I've well, I've had a photo with Alex Shane before today. This mm. was a, um, unified. He's a big fucking lad. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen him at um, who are you now? NGW in Pudsey. Like bloody hell, he's tall. Hey, I used to have to see him every week. <laughs> I used to have to put up with him in my house once a month. <laughs> I tell, I tell you what, his reach got bigger and bigger when he had like a twenty pound note in his hand. Yeah, I bet like it did. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what's it that uh, British Storm fellow? Well, the first thing on um on on his cage match, WCW Worldwide in um, November two thousand, getting beat by the wall, brother. Mm. Uh, uh, the London Arena. So, I don't think it might be him, but it looked a bit like him. Well, hopefully they'll tell us in future episodes. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Who, who knows? It might be him against Big Papa T down, down the line. Christ. Anyway, Drew McDonald interview. Yes. He tells the camera he's never seen so many fat, ugly little kids in one place. <laughs> he says that Linsky has the dream of being the manager of a champion, and he has the dream of being that champion. He challenges Williams to come out right now and who should run down the stairs and through the crowd but the champion who doesn't get a single blow in as McDonald and Linsky double team him as only the children in the crowd make any noise. A pair of referees saunter out as we go to break. There was no rush of security. Do you remember when we had Kenny McBride and the bloke with the ponytail would run out on breakup brawls and the referees would run out with some energy? No. Two blokes with moustaches sort of amble out to out to the ring and go hey come on you know maybe don't do that um our fucking world champion here got nothing he got he got battered it's his only appearance on these two shows of of new footage because there's been recaps and stuff with him in he got his clock cleaned (laughs) and even well linsky got some boots in as well no hell Anywho, match number three. A, sh- a short take, a short, a short show of um, matches here, uh, with the TV title on the line between Phil Powers, the champion, and the Yorkshire Gigolo, sexy, sexually charged Stevie Knight. Have we missed anything in between this? There was more ads. I don't think we um, did. You know, they probably um, like dambling to say, "No, go to the ring now." Oh, so so uh, hang on. Uh, Crime Watch Dan uh, did show us some clips of the McDonald and Williams 
uh, altercation and its aftermath. He claims Doug had his head wound from the Triple Trouble match reopened, despite there being no signs of blood anywhere. And Danny Royal also randomly runs down and attacks Drew from behind like a valiant baby face. He got in two shots more than the champion before McDonald beat the shit out of him as well. I'll tell you what, unstoppable monster, isn't he? Uh, Yeah, he is indeed. So, our second idiot babyface champion in under 10 minutes, Phil Powers sprints down to the ring, again just dumping his belt on the floor and straight into a kicking from his heel challenger. <laughs> with, with with this one, so there's actually gigolo chants by the 10-year-olds in attendance. Yeah. Wow. Not one of them will have known what that means. Jiggle, jiggle, and then you can expect mum and dad's going. You like, shouldn't be chanting that. I don't imagine after mums and dads knew what it meant. Well, definitely so. And we he also a have a, he's a juggler. He's a juggler. He's a juggler. <laughs> but you also have a bloody Stevie Morgan having a go at Bridlington eating black pudding, black black pudding, and dripping sandwiches. Damn right, it's not disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I he's did put an, an old an all time bad commentator. This I, he's shit. He, I, but we know this. Like they've stu- he, they are now on their third play by play man, but they've kept the same color guide the whole way through, and he's yeah. fucking appalling. We do we we do have like um, a perfect plex by Powers, which gets a two count. Um, yeah, so, uh, Powers like he does like a load of eighties aerial babyface stuff. And then they do some actual wrestling. Like Powers does this nice German suplex. Um, the referee has left the iron on as he does a very fast count for a cannonball body block off the top rope. Uh, Knight pin off something we don't see because there's a full screen replay, gets the same treatment. Uh, yeah, Powers does loads of nice suplexes, a top rope splash. Knight's doing like power slams and power bombs. Uh, Phil, of course, claps and pounds the mat, uh, exposing a very loose nerve hold when they cut to a close up. Uh, Stevie Knight continues the Yokozuna tribute with a leg drop uh, before Powers backdrops him over the top rope and hits him with a dive. Um, Bridlington bangs on about how Powers can't win the title on the outside, and I'm like, he's the champion, you know. He's the champion. He can win. He can lose by count. I'll yeah. keep it. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Knight punches his way out of a top rope sunset flip and hits this really nice pump handle power slam as we go into the break. Um, we come back and Knight's power bombing Powers. He uses gut wrench power bomb. Um, Powers keeps hope alive with near falls off things like a running crossbody, which they use a lot in this company. I notice. Mm. I think because of the very small ring, uh, backslide that nice fisherman suplex you talked about. Uh, Knight applies the loosest cross arm bar of all time and pulls Phil's nuts into the ring post. Powers hardly sells it, uh, scooting up to the top rope, but Knight just about pulls the referee into the path of the top rope drop kick. Hot Stuff goes and fetches a chair, but he stops from hitting Powers by Kerry Cabrero. Oh, I wonder what happens here, Kerry. Well, (laughs) Kerry takes the weapon, and if you've ever seen any late 90s wrestling, you know exactly what's going to happen. He bings Powers on the top of the head with himself. Knight covers. Cabrero revives the ref, who counts to three, despite Phil clearly putting out his hand to try and stop him. Powers then very obviously has a word with the ref while still selling on the mat as Cabrero jumps him. Uh, Tiger McGuigan Nonstad takes his third bump over the top rope of the day. 
and the heels scatter like cockroaches uh, in, in torchlight as Paul Sloan, of all people, hits the ring. They announce a no contest, and Stevie Knight is furious. He's yelling, I'm the champion. Announce me as the champion. Uh, he protests over the microphone. He says that he and Cabrero are now an item, which made me laugh, and proclaims himself the champion of the world. Can't resist, can't, resist, can't resist a bit of sexy Yorkshire jingle, old can Absolutely. you? Absolutely. But they were like they made sure I think they were they decided they were gonna play on perhaps like the the homophobic tendencies of the crowd and of that era. Cause yeah. they they're hugging, he uh Knight kisses Cabrero on the cheek, he proclaims them an item. Stevie Knight is my new favorite character in the UWA. These two episodes have been like they've put a rocket on him, and he has been allowed to show that he's a good wrestler and that he's incredibly entertaining. Yeah, he's a bit. I, I, you'd remember what we said back at the beginning. I don't think of Stevie Knight as being a moves guy because I saw him later on when he was like he did a lot of comedy and like relied on his character and that kind of thing. Yeah, he does. He is a stunner and a rock bottom away from doing every like big cool move of 1999, <laughs> and he's good at them all as well. He's really good. I, yeah. th- I think I think um, Stevie Nat and Kerry Cabrera they'll probably make a good tag team if they do have a like they will have a tag team match against Sloan and Powers, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Um, yeah, he like, this performance like just rocketed Stevie Knight up the the roster in my estimation here he yeah he's great and i even like his frosted blonde tips <laughs> on his fringe that is a prop in the late 90s early 2000s i do that yeah uh so we go back to Belinka and he sums up what we've just seen and the uwa title situation he reminds us that flashy papa will defend next week against two-factor authentication or whatever they're called uh and that's your lot <laughs> Flashy Papa, Daddy Magic. <laughs> Flashy Papa. Yeah. Papa T and Jody Flash. Flashy Papa. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, there was a count out and a no contest on the same show, but it's 1999 TV wrestling. So this isn't uncommon. Mostly because of Stevie Knight, these two episodes were a lot of fun. Like, I actually now, I was dreading watching episode 10. I'm now yeah. looking forward to watching episode 12. It, as we, like we said, like somebody needed to look at what was going on and sort it out. And it seems like they have. Um, like, it feels like the promotions had a shot in the arm. So mm. something new is now happening with all three titles. We now have the new, if not quite logical, alliance of Kerry Cabrero and Stevie Knight. Yeah. Which doesn't make a huge amount of sense after they were dinging each other with chairs in the Triple Trouble match. Um, yeah, I'm back to being stoked to watch the next episode after we had to wade through three weeks of sewage the last time. <laughs> hey, uh, them three weeks of like proper shit job jobber matches. Oh. Yeah. Like the good old days of WWF, that yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what is coming up, but I I have some slight spoilers. There are four matches left from the June 10th tapings, which I guess will form episode 12, and then we'll be on the first of the July tapings from episode 13. I think. Yeah. 
Um, for, I for also myself, change rings again at some point. I've noticed from the so you see all the YouTube thumbnails, yeah, and they they change rings again at some point from this shitty tiny one back to the Mark Sloan one, yeah, which I'm also uh, looking forward to because everybody will get an extra two square feet to work in. I'll let Shane will be like fucking get in there. Yeah, he can lay down. <laughs> um, myself, I thought these two episodes. Not bad, not yeah. bad. Like you said, Phil Powers, um, um, not Phil Powers, I, I I didn't like him. I wanted him to lose against Stevie Knight. But um, <laughs> St- Stevie Knight was good, Kerry Cabrero good. The two jobbers, Cross and um, the other lad, Justin Starr, I didn't yeah. I, I didn't think they were bad. Drew McDonald, like you say, breath of fresh air. Papa, Papa T winning the tag belts, fucking hell, running around the living room when he won that. <laughs> My my boy, he did fuck all. He was like the Kevin Nash of the UWA. <laughs> you saying you wanted uh, Phil Powers to lose. Given that we know he has a stake in this company and there are nine episodes of TV left. Triple P. Think, it's it's triple think, P, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think he will lose the belt in those nine episodes? Or do you think he's going to be the, the first and only TV champion? The Phil Powers reign of terror. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's got to lose. I think Stevie Knight's got to win it. It would make sense, yeah. If he holds on to the belt, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, but, yeah, two, good, two half-decent episodes for a change. Yeah. Watchable television. Unbelievable. <laughs> I think it's because of the adverts returning on the tape as well. <laughs> well, they still got nine weeks to fuck it all up, haven't they? So. They have. They have. So that's uh, episode 10 and 11 done with. Next time we'll have episode 12 and, unlucky for some, number 13. Mm, but, we'll see. Kieran, mm. what have you been up to? Well, I'm, of course, here representing the weekly podcast, Must See Matches, uh, where we are going through the top 104 essential wrestling matches as nominated by fans. Mark Duck... Who? Mark Buckledy. Not Mark Duckleby. I don't know who Monkey underscore Buckles. Monkey underscore Buckles is my co-host and the man behind the project. Uh, and most weeks we have a guest on. Uh, so the most recent episode that's been released saw former referee and all-round top egg, Eddie Sideburns, come and talk to us about Cody versus Dustin Rhodes from the first ever AEW show, which was yep. Double or Nothing in 2019. Next Monday... Uh, it's uh, the final of all Japan's 1988 real-world tag league, Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy versus Genichiro Tenryu and Toshiaki Kawada. And in the guest seat is independent wrestler of note, Daniel Makabe. He came to talk to us about that match. Oh, yeah. Um, nice fellow. Yeah, very nice. Great. Really fun chat. Loved it. Um, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and wherever you can get podcasts. Like, if you can download a podcast, you can download our podcast. Uh, and you can go to linktr.ee slash matches for all the ways to subscribe and all the places you can find us. We are at matches on Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Kieran Edits. Cracking as ever. Excalibur. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, next time. Yeah, well, hopefully so. Uh, <laughs> next- <laughs> um, follow follow us at the same thing. <laughs> um, follow us at Oggie Part Three on Twitter and also at GCP Podcast One. Uh, myself and uh, our Jeff have been on our travels 
uh, watching uh, British wrestling, uh, seeing how the scene is um, today. We went to Tidal at Huddersfield, um, which is under new ownership and wasn't too bad. Um, Less said the better about our trip to Sovereign Pro Wrestling um, this past week uh, from the Manchester Academy, where, as I mentioned earlier, timing issues. But we did get the uh, insight into our just shopping habits around Sainsbury's. Uh, it was a, yeah, a rubbish wrestling show followed by a cracking trip to Sainsbury's. I'll tell you what, it, get on the shopping me map. If Jeff's downloaded it for bargains, you should do. <laughs> Um, we've got coming up. If he becomes a wrestler, his finisher needs to be called the Nectar Point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, next, um, coming up, we've actually going to Lincoln to go and see one PW at the engine shed. And so, this is my first time back in Lincoln since Rochdale lost 7 1 um, to Lincoln City. Ah, Jeff's never been to Lincoln, so uh, should should be a good time that one. Um, but as ever, Kieran, thanks for joining us. No worries, it's always a pleasure. This has been a GCP, that Brit Rest TV show. Thank you, and see you next time. Bye. <laughs>